Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we've helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we are continuing our Legends on Legends series. Now, at Influential U, we have a group that is held in our highest regard and admiration. This group is our esteemed alumni. Esteemed alumni are those who have completed our four-year curriculum in transactional competence. The most ambitious of our esteemed alumni, our Green Berets, if you will, study in a program known as Legends. Our legends are often top performers in their fields and have experienced a level of satisfaction that only comes from years of deliberate practice and study. This program is led in fellowship with co-founders Kirkland Tibbles and John Patterson, and this initiative includes a wide range of strategies to advance and expand their own application of transactional competence and pave the path in the study of transactional leadership. Over the course of the next few months, we'll have special episodes of the Influential You podcast, and I'll be introducing our two guests and then getting out of the way so that you may experience the expertise and communication between two of our Legends participants. Now, if you listen closely, I believe that you'll hear a level of transactional leadership that is quite novel in day-to-day -day conversation. Today, we're welcoming Lauren Cato Robertson and Dr. Gary Ward to our Legends on Legends series. Lauren Cato Robertson is a massage therapist out of McKinney, Texas. She's a practitioner of manual osteopathic techniques, including cranial sacral therapy, lymph drainage therapy, somat I'm going to say this again, soma somato oh I was so close, we had it so close. Somato emotional release therapy and other gentle modalities that facilitate a process by which deepened awareness understanding, self-correction, and healing becomes possible for her clients. I also want to make sure you all know I did complain to her about the 18-syllable words that she sent me before, but that's fine. She'll laugh about that. This will be good. As a second-term board director for the Institute of Transactional Philosophy, Lauren is co-chair of the Programs Committee and editor of the Institute's newsletter, which is coming soon. Lauren holds a Master's of Science degree in Historic Preservation from Columbia University's Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation, and a Bachelor's of Art in the Restoration of Decorative Arts from the Fashion Institute of Technology. And she's an esteemed alumni of Influential U. Now, Dr. Gary Ward is a general practitioner with a focus on proactive preventative healthcare who specializes in working with high-performing executives and CEOs out of Perth, Australia. Now, depending on the day, he identifies as an inventor or performer personality and holds a subjectivist or constructivist worldview. Flip a coin sometimes, but he is so much fun. I've had the privilege of teaching the fundamentals of transaction program with Gary as he is part of our faculty for Influential You and a dear friend and mentor, and I just love him to bits. Please join me in welcoming Lauren Cato Robertson and Dr. Gary Ward to the Influential You podcast. Lauren, Gary, I'm so glad you're here because I can't pronounce half of the words you can, but I'm going to get out of the way and let you guys take it away. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> you're welcome. We have we have lots of books that we can look up how to pronounce things, don't we, Laura? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, How are you, Gary? 
um, I'm good for 5 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Better than you'd expect. Oh, but, my uh, goodness. But, um, no, here, here we are. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of the, the previous podcast with, uh, with Karina and Andrew Krellen. And, mm-hmm. of course, Andrew is famous for using the ice bath, which he... Yes. <laughs> He he uses that to wake himself up in the morning. I just I just have to I just have to clown around a bit and then uh, then I'm ready to go. I'm with you. Anyway, I'm great, with you. great to great to, great to do this. <laughs> have you got any Have you got any idea about how this might go? No, I'm so used to it just being you and me talking and having an audience feels like we're in a fishbowl and that's great. <laughs> I'm loving it. We're just gonna I know, play I know. here. I'm going to try and put that out of my mind, but I know lots and lots of people. I know. So anyway, look, we should we should get down and, and interview each other. I, and I, we mm-hmm. kind of know you know a fair bit already. Mm-hmm. But um, shall I shall I start off? That sounds great. Questions. What What's your first question? Well, um, one of the things that's that's intriguing about you, uh, I find anyway, and I haven't asked you this question before. Mm-hmm. You, you studied at the University of Columbia, correct? Columbia University. Columbia University. Yeah. And you studied architecture. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was obviously some, well, I don't know, obviously, but there was a pivot in your professional life. So I'd love to hear more about that. There was. There was a big pivot. Um, yeah. I, let's see, I, I, went down the path of studying. I I was actually studying architectural conservation inside of the historic preservation program, Mm -hmm. which architectural conservation for anyone who's not familiar is essentially the, um, the theory and practice of conserving buildings. Um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to restoring buildings, which is taking them back to the original, Conserving involves um, stabilizing materials, preserving the visual and material aspects of an object's history. And I really loved working in that field. Um, I was, when I first was uh, out of grad school, I worked as a monuments conservator in Central Park. So um, cleaning, fixing, repairing, preserving sculptures, um, mm-hmm. wearing, wearing high safety Tyvek suits and respirators um, yeah. to deal with what the birds had done to the sculptures, right. <laughs> things of that nature. Yes. <laughs> and, yep. um, and then really it was, it was uh, economic forces and I would say, knowing what I know now, a lack of transactional competence that mm. caused me to change paths. And also, mm. I mean, emerging emerging different needs. And um, I had I had been working in that field for a number of years. I was um, my my last job was as a conservator in an architecture firm that specialized in historic projects, and. Uh, the economy tanked. This is back in 09. And mm-hmm. um, someone with my skill set was not very valuable mm-hmm. when there was no money to pay for that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And yep. 
I, I, I think I, I wasn't quite senior enough in my skill set and mm. didn't know how to pivot um, to stay in that field. And really, um, I mean, things kind of hit the fan in my life at that point. And my husband had some really uh, serious health problems arise right around the same time that all this was happening with my career. So it was like when we talk about conditions of life of my health um, and my husband's health were in despair in the tank. My career was suffering. My work was su like money was a major breakdown. And so um, I found relief in a massage that I had from all of that noise, all of that stress, all of that pressure, like life closing in on me. And it was, it was significant, the mm. experience of that. And I, I managed to transact my way into getting more help in that way. Mm. And as I have a tendency to do, I, I got really kind of sucked in to a rabbit hole of wanting to understand, because I kind of, I, before I had experienced that, I'd kind of thought it was all a lot of woo-woo hokey. How could that possibly help kind of mm. stuff? And then experiencing mm. it myself, I went, I need to understand what this is. Mm. And I like literally the next day went and signed up for massage school and just jumped right down the rabbit hole. Um, and I left everything behind temporarily. And then the, the thing that I found that was really, I didn't expect in doing that work was that I was essentially doing the same thing with people that I was doing with buildings. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was. There was this thread. Red. yes. Not fixing, like not, not repairing things but more creating a space for respecting the history of the object or the person, but helping make their present and their future better. And so, yeah, mm. yeah. So that's, um, that's what I've done for the last 10 years is mm. body work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have very strong opinions and standards when it comes to, how that work is practiced. And um, a lot of my focus, I think, has been on fighting certain stigmas that are attached to that kind of work. Mm. And um, yeah, it's just been a wild, fun, exciting ride. So I am. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, uh, if I if I may, it because um, it, it you know, reading reading your, your you know that part of your bio that mm -hmm. you you once did that and now you do this. I think for a lot of people, it's like what? You know, how how <laughs> you know what what happened? But I, I I I love that there is there is that thread through that career arc, and I mm -hmm. I you know I think it points to something that you and I are very familiar with that that everything is in a process and everything really is related to what came before even even if sometimes it doesn't look that way but exactly. uh, but there is a thread through everything and i i love the theme of you know the context in which you 
put that. So yeah, that's, that's delightful. And do you, do you, do you still, I, I think once I shared with you at a conference that we had an old house in France mm-hmm. and you said, oh, I might be able to offer some of my, my skills. Do yeah. you still dabble? Do you still dabble or do you have an interest in? I, I do have an interest. Yeah. I do have an interest. Yeah, you must have. It's one of those things that I've been out of for so long that like it's a little scary to dip my toe back in. Mm. And um, I've I have considered that uh, a 13-step would need to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. But true. yeah, there, there's like right over there, right in my eyeline is an entire shelf of very nerdy books like... Um, organic chemistry for conservators and building pathology and things like that. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Medicine for buildings exactly. or healing, healing for buildings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, you know, there's all these, you know, it's, it's like any career. You don't know what you, when, when you're on the outside of someone else's career, yeah. you don't know like the really specific and weird problems that they deal with inside of, that career mm-hmm. and um and when you know you know anyway i won't go into that further yeah. but yeah. yeah yeah very cool what very about cool. you gary how did you get into what you are doing how much time why medicine uh yeah that, well I'll, I'll so i i grew up on a farm mm-hmm. in what's called the wheat belt of Western Australia, where all the, the wheat is grown. So dad was a farmer, mum was a nurse, uh, had, had been a nurse. And after I, I, after three of us children, I got two older siblings uh, and mum went back to nursing at the local hospital. Uh, I grew up in that environment. I, I, um, I, I loved reading books uh, more than I love being on the tractor, driving around and around and around and around the paddock. It's mm-hmm. going to be a bit boring. So, um, and at one stage, uh, my dad, bless his soul, said to me one day, I think you're too stupid to be a farmer because I left a gate open and all the sheep got into the crop and all that. You know. So uh, I think I took that on and went, oh, gee, I better, I better learn a bit more. So you know, I, long story uh, well, let me try and shorten this long story. I found myself at university, run a scholarship to university. Uh, the only thing that a farmer's son did at university was agriculture. So I did that and I failed every single unit that I took that year. I had a lot of fun, mm-hmm. uh, but I failed. And then I thought I'd better get serious about this. And I, I, I thought that the thing that I really enjoyed on the farm was helping the animals, you know, uh, the, the dog would get the sheep dog would get a prickle yeah. in its paw, and I just love kind of helping re- relieve its pain. Yeah. And so I thought I I, I should do zoology. Uh, no, first of all, I did vet vet science. I should be a vet. And I did a year of that and passed, but I, I had to travel the other side of the country to continue, and I didn't want to do that. So I went, okay, what's the nearest thing to vet science? Seemed to be zoology, you know, the, mm-hmm. so the study of animals, more the scientific study of animals rather than the medicine of animals. Uh, and I've, I've completed that degree. At the end of that degree, the only job that was available for me was teaching. And I taught in a high school for about a month and absolutely hated it. And 
I said, I want to do something else. So mum, my mum, who was the nurse, said, why don't, why don't you do medicine? You know, you're like animals. <laughs> what, do you, mm-hmm. what do you do with? She didn't actually say that, but, but it was like, okay. So I went, uh, I, I, I applied, went back to first year university uh, and had to do the biology course all over again. Anyway, it, um, uh, that's how come. Uh, I, I pivoted to medicine, loved it. Um, took a long time to get there, but that's why. Wow. Most, mostly because of mum and my love of the, my love of, you know, the, the, the biological processes. I, yeah. I love, I love, you know, I love zoology. I love the evolution of, uh, the evolutionary process. Yeah. Um, and, and just knowing so much about the, the, the miraculous construction that is a human being or life in general, but a human being knowing the anatomy and how everything works together and the physiology of how the blood runs and all the biochemistry of how the brain hormones, you know, are the seat of our emotions and all that kind of stuff. I just love the complexity of all that. And then it's such a rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then having the opportunity to, you know, to, to assist people, uh, I do a little bit more than take prickles out of people's feet now, but I, uh, it's, it's very, very, very satisfying to, to be in the, the field of medicine. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and well, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably go off on another tangent, but I'll, I'll say this because I think this is one of the ways in which you and I get connected a little bit in, in mm-hmm. lots of ways, but, I, you know, a lot of people in medicine, me included from time to time, would look at craniosacral therapy and massage therapy as as being peripheral. And mm-hmm. like you said, a bit, you know, the impression is sometimes it's it's a little bit esoteric and a bit woo woo. Mm-hmm. But I've during during my my process in medicine, I kind of kind of understand or accept that there's more. There's a lot more that we don't know. Yeah. You know, it's a lot us doctors do know. You know, we study the anatomy, we study how all those things are connected, but mm-hmm. but there's a lot we don't know. And and, and there's a lot of uh, systems in the body that we ignore. That you know, the, the lymphatic system we kind of know about, but we we don't really get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you guys do. And 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 I think you know, there was a time in my progress through my practice of medicine that I started to explore and accept some of the alternative ways of healing and dealing with it. So I, I worked in a, in a practice in Perth in which my colleague was a acupuncturist and a, a more like a naturopathic doctor. Nice. And, and so I started to explore that, uh, to kind of encompass that a little bit more in my practice. So, um, but, uh, you know, at some stage, you, you kind of know you've got to specialize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And one of the dangers, I think, for for our personality, you know, if we're talking about transactional personalities, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really do mostly now accept that I'm that what we call a performer personality mm-hmm. that is kind of distracted by interesting other things that we could explore. Shiny object syndrome. <laughs> Shiny object syndrome, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think at one stage I went, uh, um, People come to me because I'm a doctor, so I, I, I better, you know, it, it, it. There's there's so much to learn and so much to offer within the 
discipline of medicine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick in that lane. So still, you know, quite respectful of the alternative modalities, but uh, but now I pitch myself as as uh, as more much more a mainstream doctor. Although yeah. I sometimes question that too, because now I use transactional competence in my doctoring, which I I think I think that's a that's perhaps a little bit unusual in I, the world of medicine. I, I think it's a, a secret superpower in, um, well, in any field where you're working directly with people to help them solve a problem that they have. So that mm. could that applies all over the place. But uh, I I find that that really helps me stand out in the world of massage as well. Um, in uh, you know, I'm same, not a same, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I, a psychologist, mm. but there is a narrative in the current of bodywork, both on the side of practitioners and on the side of clients, of I'm going to go to this person and I'm going to get fixed. They're mm. going to repair me. They have magic mm. hands. They are a healer. Mm. And I take a lot of exception to that set of uh, narratives mm. that you actually are the, you know, better than anyone else, the forces in your environment, the things that have happened to you historically, the things you've um, put in or on your body or whatever um, that, that have created the state you're in now. And so there's this, I consider this, this very transactional thing that happens of, I am going to ask really good questions. I'm going to stimulate certain things in the body that are going to help in whatever ways they're helping as far as fluid movement or releasing of tissues or whatever. But the person on the table is an active participant in that process. Mm. And if they don't join in, they're not going to get the result that we're, we're trying to get to. Mm. And I, I feel like it's the same way in medicine of mm. so many of us have been trained. I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to tell me what's wrong with me. And they're going to write me a prescription or do a surgery or whatever. And I'm going to listen to them without question and I'm going to mm. do what I'm told and that's going to fix me. And they never take a look at, you know, what are you putting in your body? How's the air quality? What's the water quality like in your neighborhood? And are you doing anything to fix it? What are your stress levels? What's your relationship with your spouse like? And, you know, looking at the, the total forces in your environment for answers to why you're suffering. And I, I feel like with your education in transactional competence, that's probably the the secret sauce you can bring to your clients, patients, that most physicians just don't have an awareness of. Hmm. Yeah, I can I, I can remember early in my career uh, once I graduated and you know started seeing patients, it, there was a sense that I had that that. Um, 
there, there was an enormous amount of pressure from from that experience that I've, yeah. I'm the one who's got to fix you. I, I've, I've got to, <laughs> uh, and a, that I have all the power in some way. But it, it was, and I and I think there was, it was kind of like I had to I had to drag stuff out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not saying this very well, but there, there was a point in time where where I said I, I, I could. I recognise for myself that the patient is going to tell me what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to drag it out of them. If I just sit back and ask, you know, what's going on, they'll they'll tell me. And uh, uh, and I think there was a big shift for me from from thinking that I had to do something to we're, we're in a partnership here. You, you and I. You know, my, my patient and I are in some partnership, just just like you articulated. It's and and now nowadays, you know, I, I really do see it as a partnership. I, I offer them, you know, a course of antibiotics as a you know, for instance, mm-hmm. for a, to deal with a problem that I think is going to help. Now it's up to them to take it or not. <laughs> you know, just. You probably know this research that it says something like one in four prescriptions that doctors write don't get filled. Really? <laughs> something I mean, like it that. doesn't surprise me. I'm probably responsible for a big part of that <laughs> statistic. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And 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 you know the way the way I think is couched in in the medical world is that that's a problem. You know. Yeah. But I, I go no. Well, if if you know, we're, we're just offering advice, and then it's over to the patient to. To take it, and you know, so we we go into that a lot. But that that sense of a partnership was a real. It, it just took a load off off yeah. my mind. It's yeah, like, okay. I, yeah, I've, like I've it's got, not it's not up to you to fix yeah. them. You're yeah. a facilitator. Yeah, yeah you're I a facilitator like of the process that that human being is dealing with, and yeah. they can choose what they want to do. Yeah, you can offer yeah. the best advice that you can offer. Yeah. based on your resources mm. yeah yeah that's, yeah that's good yeah so um what other questions should we ask each other this is one of those things mm. I, I know the good old um you know the producer personality will have a list <laughs> you and i don't <laughs> it will just show up and do it um yeah t- t- well, tell me tell me a little bit more about so you and i both uh, on the board of the Institute mm-hmm. of Transactional Philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, we, you and I, you and I, are very comfortable with the with the term transactional. Uh, you know that that I've I've come to recognise that. Well, it, it, I, I know, we go off on tangents, don't we? Do you go yeah, off on tangents? Always. <laughs> Clear, yeah, yeah. I, I I think one of the so this the the word transactional is sometimes problematic for some people, mm-hmm. and I and but uh, one of the things that, that really occurred for me during the study, and, and it so links in with what you know my my um, you know my whole educational background of of as I said you know the, the whole study of biology, the and human biology that that's a primary aspect of humans. Mm-hmm. existence you know mm-hmm. and we we survive and thrive even though we've got this puny little body compared to the tigers and leopards yeah. you know, and elephants we're yeah. puny yeah but 
we've survived and thrived. And, and, and it's a really good question to ask, how come? Uh, so we've, we've got this amazing you know, body, biological system that's not that much different from other animals, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty amazing. But we, we've got something else that helps us survive and thrive. And I, I feel like I'm giving you a lecture now because I'm <laughs> speaking to the converter, but let me, let, let, let me be the inventor for a moment. If okay. You know, yeah, but this, this, I, I love this idea that there's this layer of, of human thriving and, and surviving, which is our language ability. Yeah. You know, the, the, that whole linguistic construct that, that we have that, uh, you know, that, that we, we, uh, we have concepts and we can communicate concepts and all that, that, that the narratives and stories that we live inside of. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, what was, what I was completely blind to before studying this was was the other element that enables us to survive and thrive is giving help getting help the reciprocal exchange you know so obvious yeah once you see it that that's that's how we survive and thrive we help each other we you know there's there's someone who sets the standards for the village what you should and shouldn't do and there are people who've got brilliant ideas for, and the, and there's an exchange of ideas, there's an exchange of stories and narratives. So you know what emerges out of, and and the exchanges, those reciprocal exchanges for products and ideas and all of that, is what enables us to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we might be getting into trouble as humans, as you, you and I. The direction we're heading seems. A little bit bleak, but but the fundamental nature of humans is that biological, linguistic, and transactional, and I, you know, I I, I just love that. So I went off on a tangent there, but no, no worries, no worries. I um, but I t- think t- that... tell me a bit about what 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 light lit you up about this education. Um, I think for me it was, um, hmm. Oh, there there's there's so many there's so many answers to that. Um. <laughs> At the time I started studying it, I was concurrently studying. Um, I was I was not in medical school, but I was studying all these different osteopathic methods mm-hmm. and going everything that we're doing over here that we're applying to business also applies over here to health. Mm-hmm. And that there is the the that transaction of I mean, even what you were just saying about being able to offer help and all these connected networks of help, those are happening at a cellular level. Yes, yes. Those are happening between organs. Those are happening with the flow of fluids in the body. And they're restricted in the body as well when we have an injury or some you know major stress kind of event and mm-hmm. so there was this applying it to the biology that really lit me up mm-hmm. and then taking that out to okay my my lymphatic system which is connected in the meninges of the brain into the cerebrospinal fluid which is the craniosacral system my lymphatic system is my interface with the world. It's mm. my waste disposal system. And then mm. if I am out in the world 
exposing myself to all sorts of things. I'm giving my body more work to stay healthy. Mm. And so it really came to this really grounded application of transactional philosophy of transactionalism mm. um, in how the body responds to the environment and um, and really how and here's where the 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 macro transaction, as I would see it happens, is that like if I hold an ethic of wanting to have this healthy body through this interface with my environment, then what I put out into my environment has just as big of an impact as what I put into my environment. Mm -hmm. And we create the environment around us um, on, on, you know, whether it's my living room or the ocean by my house. I'm contributing to the state and the health of those systems. And I can either do it in a really intentional way that helps me and my community in return, mm. or I can go, oh, well, I can exercise, I can eat healthy, I can do all that on my own and not yeah. pay attention to these larger pieces of the grand transaction. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it, it 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 encompasses everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, where uh, you know it's a, it's it's you know the whole the, we could we could go down a very deep burrow hole in the philosophy because you know we and, tend and to I think <laughs> we do we do and we we love it, don't we? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, what else? You know, the other thing. So. You know those those transactions occur, as you say. You know, at, at every every single level, it's like, like you say, yeah. it, within yeah. our body, the exchanges between the lungs and the heart and the hemoglobin in our red cells and the oxygen mm -hmm. that once was in the atmosphere and now it's doing stuff inside your body and mm -hmm. out it goes as carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then, and then, you know, when I think of taking care of the environment around you, I think of, of people as well. So, you know, most of the time we've got to deal with people and people Absolutely. have to deal with us. So, um, you know, it, it, I remember asking an allergist once, an allergy specialist, who was talking about the environment and how it affects people's allergies. Mm -hmm. You know, so obviously that's an interface. People mm -hmm. get triggered by something in the environment. Yeah, I think I think this was a long time ago, and I, it still baffles me why I asked this question. But I, I think it was logical. But he didn't. Say, I don't think he saw it. But it was, it was. What about what about the environment that you surround yourself, like the people, the quality of your relationships? Does that affect people's allergic responses? And he was he was like, uh, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> and over in my world, we would say absolutely yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't explored that anymore, but uh, mm -hmm. I wonder if he's noodled on it ever since. But... Well, it's, it, it comes back to that, like, um, that reactivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and some people, it's, I mean, that's such a deep, deep. Yeah, it is. It is. We probably but, should leave that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Josh is going to cut it off. Josh, we, we got so deep. He's going to cut us off now. And he's not mic'd, <laughs> so he can't. 
And that's so good though, because when we're stopping and thinking about just the, the meta transaction that's going on here with the two of you having a conversation, you are both aspects of each other's, you know, uh, podcast right now. I'd love to hear a little bit, just kind of stepping back and thinking about this for a second. Um, you both have run successful practices in, 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 in the similar field in health that sometimes, uh, you know, lean to each other for, you know, different reasons and sometimes lean away. I'd love to hear um, how transactional competence maybe has uh, broadened your horizons or broadened your understanding of each other's um, fields. And I'll start, Gary, with you in maybe like under a minute. Like, what would you say um, kind of has opened your eyes with working with Lauren and some of the ways that she does? Uh, uh, well, I, I, I think it is um, uh, that medicine can be very uh, blinkered uh, and and just focuses on <clears throat> surgery, pharmaceuticals, you know, maybe some talking therapy, but I, uh, the physical therapies are peripheral. Even, you know, physi physiotherapy that we you know, will often use is, is one aspect, but the, but the attention that a practitioner like Lauren pays to lymphatic systems, the way the, the cerebrospinal fluid might affect everything. Uh, you know, chiropractors with their focus on maybe the alignment of the spine has something to do with the way the nerves interact with. So all of that is, you know, a, a legitimate explorations for how we might help people. So I think I've, I've become much more open and accepting of those modalities through yeah, through through this study, that's great. And and Lauren, anything from you that you'd add to kind of that same similar question? Well, first of all, I would verify that since I've known Gary for almost a decade now, that what he just said about becoming more open is absolutely true. I've watched Gary like start to accept things that when I first met you, you were very skeptical and closed off to. So I I know I appreciate that. I really appreciate that about you. And um, what was the question? Um, oh, with <laughs> oh, Dr. The, the, the how do we work with the allied professions? Um, yeah. I would say. I'd I, 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 I be sorry to jump in, but uh, so your, your relationship to mainstream medicine now. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was, that's where I was going. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, you right. call us, you call us allied health professionals. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about perspective, right? I, um, I, I would say there is a strong current in my profession that tends to run anti-medicine, mm -hmm. and it's not across the board. It's it's like mm -hmm. it's pretty equally, you know, uh, divided. But I think for me, what this study did was go, okay, instead of trying to convince anyone of anything. I offer help. There's a, there is a, there's a help I can offer to your clients, to your patients, um, that might, if it, 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 that might prevent them from having to do a more, uh, risky intervention. And, and that, that's one of those through lines from one of the core, philosophies in architectural conservation is you always start with the least invasive, most conservative method first. Mm. 
because mm. you have the least chance of destroying or harming mm. some of the mm. original material there. Mm. And so moving over to this side of things in the bodywork world, it's like um, it has the potential to create a really big impact in a helpful way with very little risk to the integrity of the tissue. Mm, um, and so good. it's, yeah, it's that, uh, making a case for, uh, it's, it's less invasive than a minimally invasive anything, mm, <laughs> you know? <fair. laughs> yeah. 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 We use the tools that we have right to our, to our practices. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if I was near a surgeon, I'd be talking to you guys about the scalpel and how, how I could do. So it's, I, I love this uh, dialogue. I love the, the, Ecology, because of the two of you, you are two of the smartest people that I know, and I, I can't wait to have you guys both on again. If you guys have not seen both Lauren Cato Robertson's podcast uh, from the past, you should go check that out. It's fantastic. And then also same with Gary Ward. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on today, and I look forward to dissecting this all with you on the Legends <laughs> program. So thank you both for joining me today, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you off. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> see you soon bye guys <laughs> now if you'd like to know more about us you can go to influentiallyu.global and explore our courses consulting and conferences we offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience however if you're new to influential you we recommend you start with thrive it's our self-guided training thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. Sign up today and use promo code 20OFF, that's 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20OFF. Thank you so much for listening today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, our in-studio producer, Michael Teehee, with contributions from John Patterson, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley. And a very big thank you to the two smartest people I know, Lauren Cater Robertson and Dr. Gary Ward. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on March 29th, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app, and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week on the Influential You Podcast.